0: Well, it's a great uh, joy to be together once again. Um, For those who've been with us for the last couple of weeks, we are endeavoring to seek the Lord. Um, And as New Gen this morning has committed themselves to trying to seek God for direction, uh, we are wanting to do that as well as a church. And so for us to kind of prepare ourselves to do that, uh, we are going through a short little series just on what it means to seek the Lord uh, and last week, recognizing that actually to seek the Lord requires faith and obedience, uh, but that also we seek Him through His written Word, right? It's the place that we start, otherwise we come out with some weird theories and weird theologies, uh, if it is just left to us. Uh, and this morning, as we look to the second part of what it means to seek God, uh, we're going to look at the element of fellowship. And so as we Uh, Read from Acts 2, we see that the, uh, Acts 2.42, we see that the early church devoted themselves uh, to the apostles' teaching, uh, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer, uh, and those kind of the overarching themes or desires of the early church. Uh, And through that, the Holy Spirit was poured out upon His church. We see that thousands were added. Uh, It wasn't great evangelistic outreaches. It wasn't great advertising. Uh, It was the Holy Spirit that moved hearts and moved people toward Jesus. And we want to be a church like that, yes? Marketing is expensive. We don't want to waste money on that. We want the Holy Spirit to truly move hearts, right? That, that we drive ourselves and have ourselves driven to the person of Jesus. And that's what we want to be, a people who are driven to him. And so if we look at, have we found that slide? Oh, you know, Justine, you're such a legend. During worship, I asked if she had the slide, and there it is. Uh, and so we see on the outside there, the early church committing themselves to the apostles' teachings, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and prayer. Uh, But then obviously also the overarching theme of it, uh, God's call for us to love God and to love others, right? So we don't want to complicate this following Jesus thing. We want to learn to love God and learn to love others. Uh, The way that we do that is through the making of disciples and for ourselves to grow as disciples of Jesus. And so we see his lordship where he says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded. And then the bottom left, beautiful reminder. He says, remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. And so our endeavors to learn to love God and love others isn't left to our own abilities, but that Jesus himself by his Holy Spirit is with us, helping us to do that. Because it's quite difficult to love people, right? Amen. It is difficult. And so we need the Holy Spirit. To help us to do that. And so as a church in particular, uh, we're also looking at family. We want both blood and spiritual family to be uh, kind of the theme of who we are as a community. And that's why we have noisy little children running around. But we want them to be a part of our worship and for us to figure out how to incorporate kids back into our community uh, and to be a part of our worshiping of the Lord. We also are interested in the community. That's the people around us. Uh, But then also the priesthood of all believers, that it isn't just left to the mic guy to seek the Lord, but that for all of us as a community, as a body of followers of Jesus, that we get to seek out the Lord. And so as a body, it means that the head is speaking to each one of us, yes, about the direction for your life, but also for us as a community. And so we are incredibly open to hearing what the Lord is speaking through our people. Uh, What it does require, though, is courage to either come up and speak on the mic or even to just message or get hold of us in the week and just say, this is what I'm sensing from the Lord. And for those who have found the courage to do that, uh, you will know that we take those words seriously. We really do take uh, what the Lord is speaking through this community seriously. Uh, We throw it into our pot of processing before the Lord. Um, And at many of our elders' meetings, we bring out those words and we say, God, is this you? Is this just us? Was it the pizza maybe we had last night? Uh, Maybe this is you, Lord. And if it is the Lord speaking, we want to take it seriously because we do not want to be a disobedient people, but we want to be a people who are obedient to the Lord. So may that be an encouragement to you that we are serious about the priesthood of all believers. We don't believe any of these chairs belongs to any of us just to sit down, but actually to bring our gifts to bear upon this community. So if you have your scriptures, uh, turn to 1 John 1 on your phones and your paper, uh, forest killers, Uh, 1 John 1, 1 John 1. We declare to you that uh, what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. This life was revealed and we have seen it and testify to it and declare to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. We declare to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus' His son cleanses us from all sin. Now that is an incredibly beautiful passage of scripture. If you start picking it apart, uh, John is an incredibly close friend of Jesus. He walked with him. He spoke with him, spent time with him. Uh, in many ways, he was Jesus' BFF, right? He writes... Uh, the letter of John is really, really funny when he talks about uh, Peter approaching. He, he hears that uh, G, the, the tomb is empty, so, so Peter runs to go to the tomb. And John writes the letter of John, and in it he says, uh, the other disciple who outran Peter, he's actually writing about himself. So he's like, how cool is this, uh, the other apostle who ran faster than Peter. Uh, and so he's an incredibly close friend of Jesus, and you can kind of see their relationship that they had with one another coming through their words. Um, But what he's writing here is he's writing to the church and just emphasizing to them that this relationship with Jesus is real. We've seen him. We've touched him. We've heard him. And he he has this heart that he's trying to give to the church and say, this guy's real. This Jesus is real. And as we have had fellowship with him, the reason I'm writing this letter is because I want you to have fellowship with him. Through our fellowship with one another, we get to encourage one another Godward, yes? That is true fellowship. Not just hanging out, enjoying coffee, having a fat laugh. That is important. But the real essence of fellowship with one another as believers is actually to encourage one another's fellowship with the Lord. That's the point. And we get that privilege to be able to spend time together and not just for it to be lacquer, but actually we get closer to Jesus. And that is what what John's trying to get across here. There's this excitement. He's, He's trying to tell us that there's this vital and real relationship with Jesus. This is not us just attending Sunday after Sunday, hanging out, having coffee. Cool. How was your week? Cool. How's the week ahead? Cool. But actually, as we engage with one another and have conversations, that our relationship with Jesus gets to be closer. And as we get to see and experience the gifts that God's placed in one another, we get to experience Jesus and get closer and closer to him. Last week we heard that uh, uh, John writes, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that testify on my behalf, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. And so all these things that we're talking about is, is not to create this distant Jesus who sits on the throne, but actually this personable Jesus who comes to be with us. And so through the scriptures, the whole point of all these pages is to get us into a relationship with the living Jesus. Not to be smart about what what is written within these pages, but to get to know the person of Jesus. And so he's saying the same thing about fellowship is not for us just to be part of this organization, these people, this organism, whatever term you want to use, but actually to be part of something that draws us closer to Jesus. Many people you would hear who've been offended by the church, no, I don't do that whole church thing right, I just sit back at home, me and Jesus, I have this great relationship with Jesus. It's impossible to have a relationship with the head and not with its body, right? You can't. That'd just be weird. As we get to know Jesus, his heart gets to be shared with us and we get to fall in love with his body. Doesn't make the body easy, yes? Look around this room, there's some people, right? Right? I mean, not this room. This room is just full of lovely people. Everyone's so easy to get along with. But the reality is that actually for us to be formed into the image of Jesus, what does he do? Gives us more people. Shaves off those edges of us. Because if we just hang out with Jesus, it would be easy. Yes, he's just wonderful, absolutely awesome. But as we are surrounded by people just like us, those rough edges begin to shine one another and scrape one another apart. And we get to be formed and shaped into the image of Jesus. And I want to argue that the chief end of every moment of fellowship with human beings is fellowship with God. That's the point. Having a wonderful community that loves one another is not the chief end. It's awesome and it's an incredibly important part of our lives to love others. But the chief end is for us to grow in love with God. And so when we converse with one another and hang out, that's always got to be at the forefront of our minds, that me bringing my gifts and myself to bear upon this conversation is to actually see somebody get closer with Jesus. And that doesn't mean we get all weird. It doesn't mean we just start quoting scripture to people who don't know Jesus and start Bible bashing them. That's not the point. The point is for us to get them to the person of Jesus. So, whether that means just a real heart, honest praying, there are very few people, even if they vehemently oppose God, who will not say yes if you offer prayer to them. Very few people, at least in South Africa. There is something inside of us that wants the realness of Jesus, of God. And it's not for us to bash people with the Bible because that's not our job. Our job is to take people to Jesus. We use the scriptures, we use fellowship. But the chief end is intimacy and true fellowship, as John is trying to say, with Jesus. Doesn't that, in many ways, just lift the burden off your relationships? There's that family member who doesn't yet know Jesus, and you're like, what books can I leave open on the coffee table? You know, oh, look what you accidentally highlighted in that. No, 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 no. No. Our relationship with them is to show them something of the person of Jesus. And what does the person of Jesus look like? It looks like laying your life down no matter what comes back at you. And so I've been trying to serve this family member for 20 years. I've tried to show them the love of Jesus. They just keep bashing it in my face. I'm giving up. No, you're not. Jesus finished his work because of the joy set before him. That possible, that tiny inkling of hope that a person would turn to him. He endured the cross. Until that person breathes their last, there is an element of hope that they will turn to the person of Jesus. And that extends beyond just our immediate families, of course, there's also our friendship circles and our our extended community around us. But that is our job through every person that God brings in contact with you. The point of that relationship is for you to show them more of Jesus, to draw them into fellowship, to draw them into friendship with Jesus. And the beauty is that you get to engage with 10, 20, 30, 40,000 people if you're an extrovert. But if you're not, maybe it's five people. But you get to engage with five people. You get to draw five people into a relationship with Jesus that I will never, ever be able to have the chance to do. And so together, we become a community that fellowships with one another as we engage on Sundays in our midweek meetings. We get to draw one another closer to God. But then for six days of the week, You get to engage with other people who may not even know Jesus and get to draw them closer to fellowship with Him. And You don't have to get them saved in every conversation. There's a a great evangelist who says, actually, our job, if if there was a scale of 0 to 10 and 10 was a living and vital relationship with Jesus, our job is actually just to perhaps get them from step 1 to step 2. Not to get them to 10. We're all laboring together. God has servants all over the planet. We just get to Move that person from step one to step two through our engagement with them, through our fellowship with them, and through our showing them the true and undying love of Jesus for them. I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the advocate or the helper or the comforter will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. That encouragement means that when we have fellowship with one another and we have fellowship with the Holy Spirit, we're not doing this thing alone. Because I don't know about you, but there are moments where I'm engaging with an unbeliever and and there's an opportunity for a conversation. I'm like, I either don't know what to say, or I've just said something. I'm like, oh, this is like toothpaste. I wish I could put that thing back in the tube. But it's out. There's nothing I can do about it. And those are the moments when the Holy Spirit says, I'm not asking you for your wisdom. I'm not asking you for your Bible knowledge. I'm not asking you for your clever words. Here's my power. Because that's what we need in our fellowship with other people. It's dependency upon the Holy Spirit. He will help us. He will empower us. He will give us the words to speak. And when we speak the stupid words, he'll erase them from that person's heart and fix them up for us and sanctify them. That's his job. He's the great cleaner for us. And we are incredibly grateful. Even our words need sanctification because they really are foolishness to this world. In fact, I've heard stories of people who come to faith with What I think are the most ridiculous approaches at evangelism. Someone will say something. I'm like, how is anyone ever going to respond to that? They give their lives to the Lord. I'm like, what? How does that work? I know of somebody who for years, a family member, for years was trying to understand how God sacrificing his son was a display of love. Like, how does that work? And so Sunday after Sunday... Preacher after preach, scripture after scripture, just couldn't get it. Until they read The Shack. And suddenly understood that someone laying their lives down, their father giving up their son, was a display of love. And I'm like, I don't know how this works. Though. I thought your scripture had power. I thought the preachers had power. I'm like, how does this work? Some random book. God will use anything if we depend upon him and his fellowship rather than our brilliance, our clever words, our scriptural Um, memory. And surely that's the space that we're supposed to walk into fellowship because it takes the pressure off of us, right? People know when they're a project. People are not dwarf. They know, you're only having this coffee with me because you think it's going to bring me closer to Jesus. What if we just truly loved them, truly wanted to be with them, truly wanted them to meet Jesus? That's not a lie. But they didn't become projects to us, but actually became people that we loved And wanted to experience the love of Jesus for themselves. The Anglicans have been trying to teach us all along. The Lord is here. His spirit is with us. Amen, brother. Amen. (laughs) The Lord is here. His spirit is with us. Every time we engage with another human being, the Lord is with you. His spirit is with you. It takes that pressure off of us. Sure, we have a burden for them, and that always must remain. We must be zealous to see people come to the Lord but let's not be weird about it. Let's bring Jesus to the conversation. That's who they really want to meet, not you and I. With faith it is impossible to please God, for whoever would approach Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. So when you're having that conversation, do you truly believe that Jesus is with you? I don't know about you, but there's times when I engage with unbelievers and I'm like, oh, Jesus, where are you? You know, I think He's probably more present there than anywhere else. His heart for the lost, we just do not fully understand. We don't. He's at work in their lives. He's at work in their hearts. And so what he's saying is that every conversation we have in that business meeting where it's just a bunch of ruffians who hate the Lord, actually Jesus is right there in that meeting, even though you may not feel it. But that's our own fears, our own insecurities. Jesus is right there. He wants to have fellowship with them more than you want them to have fellowship with him. He wants them in his house. He wants them as sons and daughters. He wants them as brothers and sisters. Do we truly believe that in every engagement, outside of a Sunday, outside of our midweek meeting, do you believe that God exists and that he rewards those who diligently seek him? Do you believe that? May that faith and courage be with you every encounter that you have with any other human being. And it may be a saint within the church as well. Every conversation I have with you, I need my faith encouraged. I need to be drawn and reminded that Jesus loves me, that he's good, that he has a plan for my life, that he has a purpose for my life. Every one of us need that. And so we get to have that incredible experience of bringing the fellowship of Jesus to our brothers and sisters, but also to a lost world. He needs to know about him. We are as in need of the gospel as the unsaved person. Every single day. We never outgrow the gospel. We never outgrow Jesus. We never outgrow this wonderful message that he wants to be with us and live with us and live in us. And so if we are to seek God, then fellowship becomes a really important part of what it means to seek God. We can't go hide away like a monk somewhere in the mountains and drink beer all day Although some of us are like, you know, actually, I wouldn't mind that for a few days. But what it means to actually see God is actually to take what we believe He said to us and entrust that in humility to other believers. Who likes to do that? Anyone? No, we don't. We like to, I heard from the Lord, I'm doing it. We don't like to submit to one another. And so even as elders, there's certain things I feel for this church, and I'm like, rock and roll, and submit it, and they're like, no, we don't think the time's right. I'm like, what do you mean? Of course the time's right. But they don't sense it in the Lord. Are we willing to submit what we believe and we're seeking God for to others around us? Because he doesn't just speak through one of us. He speaks through his body. Do you believe that God speaks to your children? We don't like that one, do we? No, we don't. It's really rough when a five-year-old rebukes you and they don't even know what they're doing. That's always fun. What did Jesus say? He said it is his will, his food is to do the will of his father, right? Which means that all of his ministry wasn't just, hey, I've got this plan, let me rock and roll and go and do it. Every moment, he was dependent upon the leading of the father. So God, what do you want me to do today? What do you want me to do today? What do you want me to do in this relationship? And we want to be a church that is, Seeking God out. Remember, the leaders were stupid. The shepherds were stupid. Why? Because they did not seek the Lord. We don't want to be a stupid church. We don't want to be stupid people, do we? No, we want to be wise. And that means we need to seek God in everything. And so the number one starting place is the scriptures. So you would never come and say, I believe the Lord's told me I need to go and steal from that person, would we? I bet there are people who have said that. The Lord has sent me to go and kill these people. Crusades. It just gets really difficult when you start reading the scriptures and realize that there's a huge cost to murder. That's not the heart of God. And so as our framework, we have these words. But then at the same time, there's some nuances around our walking with the Lord that isn't quite clearly spelt out in scripture. So what we then need to do is actually commit that to the fellowship. So whether that's your small group, whether that's your spouse, whether that's the broader community, whatever it is. But as you're seeking God for this year, and in a few weeks' time we're going to get to that place of actually spending time seeking God, we have a fellowship and a community that when we submit that stuff to one another and we grow in fellowship with one another, it's actually the Lord speaking through His people to us. Because God loves the humble, right? He opposes the proud. So when I say, I know what the Lord's saying, stuff all of you, we're going... You're going to have the hand of the Lord going, you know, this is actually my body. I really love her. I'm going to oppose the proud. But when we bring what we believe God has said and submit it to someone, first thing that happens is as it's coming out your mouth, right, you're like, this actually sounds pretty stupid. Doesn't that often happen? I really need to explain this to somebody. And as you start saying it, you're like, oh, now I've started. I suppose I've just got to go through with it. But sometimes we do that and someone goes, actually, there's something in the spirit that I'm sensing in agreement with you. There's something I feel in God. I think that is right. Maybe we need to just work on the nuances of it, but there seems to be something of God in this. And for me, that actually encourages me and builds faith in me rather than just going out stoxial alien, thinking that this is the Lord, and then you turn around, there's nobody with you. But actually, we want to be a people who submit what we believe God is saying, and even in seeking Him, to submit that to one another. Can we be a people who are not living isolated walks with Jesus, but truly submitting our decision making, seeking God out to one another? How many of us, when we've sought a new job, which is actually a major move in our lives, right? Getting a new job somewhere is not a small thing. How many of us have actually submitted that to a close council and said, This is what I'm thinking, this is what I'm thinking, what do you think? Because. Often they can come back and say, It feels to me like you're chasing money rather than being obedient to the Lord. What do we do with that? Well, stuffy, I'm going to go find new counsel, right? Where's the counsel that agrees with, every, with everything I want to do? But no, it's really good when the left hand says to the right hand, I don't think that's the right thing. But together, let us get before the Lord and find some unity in the Spirit. Does he not say we are of one Spirit? We're united in the Spirit. Do you truly trust that the Holy Spirit that dwells in you and with you can bring unity to your decision making? Do you truly believe that? I've seen it in action, and it's an incredibly beautiful and powerful thing. When we seek the Lord, we bring people around us in fellowship and submit ourselves to them. And I want us to be a community like that. None of us running ahead with our own little thing. Because God's taking his body somewhere. You know when you run, there's some people who run with some funny thing about them. They're still running, but it looks weird, right? We don't want to be that. We want to be a people who are running together with the way that the Lord is taking us. And not all depending just on one person. Otherwise, we're going to be hopping along if we're just depending on the right leg. We want to be a people as we're seeking God, being able to submit these things to one another. But fellowship is incredibly practical, too. This isn't theory. So, what does fellowship look like? Fellowship looks like when my wife and I are struggling through an area of our marriage to be able to submit that to the elders and say, hey, guys, this is where we're at. And for them, in loving fellowship, to come and say, this is what we suggest. How about going forward like this? And for us to submit to them and come through the process stronger in the Lord, stronger in our marriage, stronger as a church. It's a practical fellowship. It's not us checking out and going, oh, our marriages need some work. Uh, It's probably time to check out the body so that we don't damage them. Let's go sort out our marriage and then come plug back in. Surely the best place for a body part to get healed is on the body. Surely. Surely it's the rest of the body that says, you know what? Let's send a little less blood over there because the elbow needs it right now. Let's send the life over there. And so whatever you're struggling with and whatever you need to seek the Lord... This is the place where you get to fellowship with human beings, but somehow we get to fellowship with the real person of Jesus through that. So when you're struggling with something, I mean, that's our immediate response, right? Let's disconnect to go and sort this thing out. It's the wrong response. Let's dig into the body. Let's ask those closest to us, look, I'm really struggling even to ask you this, but I'm struggling with this, can you help me? Because also when we're stuck in our sin or even just some of our stupidity, we just can't see the wood for the trees, right? So they get to come from an objective point of view with love and say, hey, what about this? Why don't you come here? Let's go speak to this. Go do that. Let's, and to humble ourselves and say, listen, I don't feel like I'm in the right place. Even to make decisions for my own life, I submit myself to you. And I'm not saying submit yourselves to the elders. We're not the gatekeepers of your life. Jesus is. Submit yourselves to one another. And when you need fellowship help, by all means. When you need counsel from your life group leader, by all means. But we get to submit to one another. Because fellowship also looks like the different gifts within this community operating. That's true fellowship. There's a gift that God has placed inside every single one of us. And if we don't bring that gift, this community doesn't become everything that God intends her to be. It doesn't. Because if we're seeking out God for a preferred future, which he very often reveals to the prophetic types, if we cut them out and go like the prophetic's old school, we don't want that gift, just give us these ones, we don't get to see the full counsel of God. We don't get to have that true fellowship with God. So whatever the gift is that you bring to bear, as we engage with your gift and as you get to bring it upon liberty, we get to experience the fellowship of God. Your spouse Our relationship with our spouse is either going to, as Scripture says, hinder our prayers or bring them to fruition. And so we've got to sort that stuff out, right? We can't just be boxing with our spouse and just think we can carry on. No, we actually have to submit that to the community and go, guys, we need help. We need help here. I think of this week. My wife had an op a few weeks ago, and we just had meals pouring in over the last few days. That is the fellowship. That is us actually recognizing God in our lives. He's provided for us because apparently men can't cook. So the moment the wife is in bed, people need to provide meals. But it is an amazing gift to us. In this community, I mean, there's this meal roster every other week, right? It's really incredible, and it's not just soups. I mean, these meals are next level. I started listing some of them for when Greg is better, going, <laughs> just joking, I'm just joking. But what a gift that is to us. It serves us, but also our faith. God provides. The hospitality gifts get to operate. This fellowship thing is very practical. Our Sundays and our midweek meetings is where you get to encounter gifts here on a Sunday. You get to encounter gifts in your life group. You get to have fellowship with one another, but also with God in those moments. And so when you have prayer needs of healing, we get to bring that before the saints and say, pray with me, please. And as we fellowship with one another, there's an element of bringing the Spirit and bringing the power of God into that moment. And we get to fellowship with God. These moments are beyond just, oh, my schedule's so busy, I've just got so many people to see. No, every moment is an opportunity to fellowship with God. It shifts our mindsets. And we get to look forward to them. And I I know this community loves hanging out, right? We really do. I think of SunSurf. As Mick goes to run his business down there, and so many of us are involved uh, in serving at SunSurf. But the community and the fellowship that happens around that place. I think of Lyndon who goes around there every once in a while. Josh and Sands who walk past there all the time. Get to bring our gifts to bear upon a business But actually, it's more than that. It's where a saint is at work and is having fellowship with other people we'll never reach. But we get to go and be a part of that and hang out and bring our gifts to bear upon that. I think of Wayne when he joined Liberty. Hadn't met anybody, but through a friend in Joburg who knew of Wayne. uh, He had a a bike accident, was in hospital, hadn't really met anybody here. A friend in Joburg got hold of Lyndon who had heard about it, and so he went to hospital. So Wayne wakes up after being knocked out, and he's like, who's this weirdo just sitting next to my bed looking at me? But Lyndon gets to be there and to say, hey, I'm from Liberty, um, heard about this, would love to come and pray with you. That's fellowship. It's practical. It's finding ourselves taking the fellowship of Jesus to people. It's Aini who missed last Sunday, and we can go, you can't miss a Sunday meeting. Why did she miss it? Because she knew that Gregan wouldn't be able to come here, so she took her Bible and went and had fellowship with her at home while we were all meeting together here. That is true fellowship. Thinking ahead of the best for the body. Thinking Gregan, through her suffering right now, probably needs more of Jesus, needs to hear about him, needs to be encouraged in faith. And so Annie going, well, let me put this aside. My family can go to the Sunday meeting, I'm going to be with Gregan. And pray with her, spend some time in the word. That's true fellowship. And it's more than just Greg and Ini bonding. There's Jesus in the middle of that. Gregon being encouraged in Christ. Ini being encouraged in Christ. But she because she got to bring some of Christ to Gregon. This fellowship thing is so practical. And so the purpose of our fellowship with people is real and lifelong fellowship with God. That's why the devil tries to break it up, right? First thing, let's bring doubt to the word of God. Did God really say? Next thing, what does he do? Breaks up the relationship between Adam and him. Lord, it was the woman you gave me. And so all he wants to do is just break up relationships. Very next generation, kills his brother. I mean, you think at least give it a couple hundred like generations, right? No, very next generation, kill my brother from jealousy. So, the devil is permanently at work trying to break relationships up because he knows that when there's fellowship, when there's true unity, somehow the Spirit of God becomes a part of that and the kingdom of God is established. And so, we have to be aware of the wiles of the devil, yes? When something's not right in our lives, he's like, Oh, you're a rubbish Christian. You can't go to church, you can't go to your life group, and that's sin. It's a lie. That's where sinners go, into the presence of Jesus amongst his believers, because that's where we're reminded of the grace of Jesus, are reminded about the mercy of Jesus, reminded that he died for us, and that happens amongst the saints. And it's not always dramatic, I mean, I'm hoping for more and more of the dramatic, are you? Many of us are ill here, and I'm hoping for a few weeks' time to just actually have a time to pray for one another. I'm hoping for dramatic healing. That is what I want. But the general trend of the Christian life is not the dramatic. It's the mundane obedience one step after the next. The long obedience in the same direction toward God. But we want the dramatic. We want the signs. We want the wonders. But as Jesus said, that's not the tone of your lives. Yes, I'm going to interfere with your lives. I'm going to bring healing where you don't deserve it. I'm going to bring my love where you don't deserve it. We want those, Lord. But he's saying the general trend of our lives is obedience and walking in love and fellowship with one another. Lord, would you do a work in this fellowship, God? That as we fellowship with one another, we have this true experience of your fellowship. That is our end goal. Fellowship with you. We want to know you more. We want to experience you more. As we worship you, we want your presence with us. But as we gather over a coffee, Lord, as we gather midweek in a meeting, as we meet on Sundays, as we meet with unbelievers, as we meet with our colleagues, as we meet with our bosses, as we have meetings, an awareness that we are fellowshipping with you. Lord, would you grant this people the ability to hear your voice through fellowship? That as we engage in conversation, as we're praying for one another, we'd have one ear to you and one ear to the believer. That as they're speaking, we would hang on the words that we know are from you. Lord, we don't want to walk this walk alone. There are millions and millions and millions of people who are going to spend an eternity apart from you. And even if they do get to bow their knee in their last minute, Lord, they're going to lose the beauty and the gift and the blessing of walking in true fellowship with fellow believers. Lord, with the zeal that you have for the lost burn in our hearts that we would be a people devoted to fellowship, Lord, We look forward to hanging out every moment we have. Whether it's hiking, Lord, whether it's our midweek meetings, whether it's Sundays, whether it's at sun surf, anywhere, Lord. We'd be zealous for it because we know that in that place you presence yourself. You presence yourself where the gospel is preached. And the good news of the gospel is that you are reconciling human beings to the Father. Would you use us? with that same purpose, Lord? Lord, would you use us in fellowship to draw others closer to you? We ask you, Lord, please do that for us. And so, every moment we have with another human being lifts it beyond just a meeting, right? Every phone call we have is not just a phone call. Even if it's a split second, we have a moment to lift people's eyes to God, even if it is just praying for them while we're talking to them, is a moment for us to bring fellowship with God to them. How aware are you of the presence of God in your day-to-day engagements with other people? Can I ask that this week, every time we see another human being, we go, a person made in the image of God this moment I have is a moment of fellowship with them. Lord, how do I bring them into fellowship with you? Can we ask ourselves that one question this week to make this thing practical? Midweek meeting, I'm going to life group. Rich is having life group this week. I'm going to go and be part of that life group. Lord, as I arrive there, can you help me to bring fellowship with you into that space? I'm not just leaving this on Rich and Jen. How can I bring fellowship with you? What have you spoken to me in the week? What are you saying to me right now? How can I bring fellowship with you into that moment? As you have a tough meeting with your boss, Lord, how do I bring you into this conversation? Maybe I can't use your name. Maybe I'm not allowed. But can I bring your love? Can you, can you help me to be wise with words, to bring your power to that situation? Tough conversation you need to have on the phone. Lord, what do I say? I'm having this moment, Lord. I can bring fellowship with you into this moment. Help me to do it. I mean, our children never misbehave, right? So that's a difficult one. But this week, when there's a tough conversation you need to have with one of your children, Lord, how do I not just repeat what I've experienced in the past? How do I bring fellowship with you to this child right now? And as you do that, you're going to find that you end up having a fellowship moment with the Lord. It's a beautiful thing. And we don't just pull out a textbook and go, this is how we pray in rights. Off you go. No, it's fellowship. There's a realness of relationship. And I think God wants to make in us a people who truly fellowship with one another in a way that we fellowship with God. Can we trust him for that? Can we commit ourselves to that? Because through that and through devotion to his word as the first two of the four that we'll be looking at, he then adds people. Because he wants to add people to a community, not because he wants liberty to grow in size. He wants people to have a relationship with him, yes? That's the point. And so a community who are adamantly seeking out the Lord to have fellowship with him, he wants to draw people there. And we never know how long that'll be. Next year, the Lord may say, Josh, off you go to the Karoo. Where's the surfer? Off you go, to the Karoo. Do you know what the Lord has for you? One thing I do know is he has amazing things for you. He has placed incredible gifts in you that are not of you, which means they're good. But will you be obedient to him? Or are you going, oh, I like this church, I like this people, I'm going to be here for the next 50 years, which may be good if that's what the Lord has for you. But what if next year he's saying, actually, I want to move you to this place, But it means for this time, you need to grow in fellowship. You need to grow with me. There's some gifts you need to learn. There's a whole bunch of stuff for you to do. Are we going to be committed to hearing God for ourselves? Committed to hearing God for this church? Because I don't want to be a church that just ticks boxes, right? Until the Lord returns. We need to just have our Sunday meetings. We need to have our midweek groups. We need to probably have a prayer meeting. Okay, let's carry on. I don't want that. I want true fellowship with you guys. I want to know when you're hurting. I want to know when you're struggling with finances. I want to know when your marriage is hurting. But I also want to be able to bring God and the fellowship with Jesus into that moment. And for those who are looking from, looking from the outside, looking in, going, what is this? What is this beautiful body? Ah, it's the body of Jesus. That's what it is. Real and authentic. Can we trust God for that? Can we trust Him to change and shape that in us? But it's going to take sacrifice, right? Who wants to go sit in hospitals? I hate hospitals. I don't know what it is. My body just switches off. It says, what are you doing here? We should now faint. Let's just do that. That'll be fun. And I've had six children. Well, my wife's had six children. I feel like I had them. That's how painful it was to me. But for some reason, the Lord graced me. I was there for the birth, but the moment the doctor says, here you go, happy little boy, happy little girl, our body says, okay, your work here is done, it is now time to pass out, let's just do that. <laughs> so it takes sacrifice, right? So Rob was in hospital the other day, my wife was in hospital and Rob, the same hospital. I'm like, got to walk from the one side of the hospital to the other, there's people in beds, there's blood bags, all. I'm just like, oh Lord, I don't know what you want from me, but here I am. Rob, on the other hand, he's like says to his nurse, I want to go visit Gregan. She's up there. Come with me. And she's like, you can't take your baggy thing with you. No, you stay here. So different people have different gifts, right? But all of us are called to fellowship. And you may be the extrovert that, hey, I want to go meet all the people in hospital. Good on you. May the Lord bless you and keep you and may his face shine upon you but you may be the introvert who's just got one or two people that God has put into your circle of friendship. Bring the fellowship of God into those moments. You don't have to have 25,000 friends. Be free from that. But every moment you have with another human being is a moment for you to bring the fellowship of Jesus. That's important. May the Lord truly bless you and keep you, and may His face shine upon you this week as you go out, And may He form us and shape us into a people who truly love others because we want to introduce them to Jesus. Not because they're a project, not because they're a number, but because they need to meet the person of Jesus. And through that, may you be encouraged. May you meet Jesus again this week afresh. May He speak to you. May He guide you. Whatever you're looking for, whatever you're seeking Him for, the answer lies in Him. May He speak ever clearly to you. Amen? Amen.